Hello and welcome to Brainsteep. I'm your host, Corey Schmidt. Here we nerd out over tea and discuss a full range of topics while sipping our steep. We believe tea is a great medium for contemplation. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of your favorite leaf water, and enjoy. It seems uh, I'm coming to you again after a bit of a hiatus. Um, you know, I wish I could say this is the non, not norm, but it may be the new norm. Uh, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, perhaps, at least in passing, that I did obtain a new, new position, uh, so I do have a new job. I'm thinking that's going to take up quite a bit of my time. Um, though I do still want to continue this podcast. I mean, when I when I came up with the idea last year uh, to do this, I don't think I had extremely specific goals in mind with, with what I wanted to do with the podcast, um, other than to create content. And, you know, I think... It, Clearly, if I were to focus on this and really put a lot of time and effort into it, maybe I could create, a, you know, a, a small podcast that's maybe a small user base follows. Uh, but in retrospect and sort of looking at how I work, um, which is uh, a whole discussion, um, I think it should just really be for me more than anything else. And if someone listens, fantastic. Um, I think really this is more a... And I think, again, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, that it's more the act of creation and, and to spend some time making something. And then some of the skills that come along with creating that material, that media... Um, and this can be done with anything and everything, right? Um, whether you're a, an artist, like drawing artist, uh, painting, music, coding, um, all types of, of anything and everything that you make. Things that you make with your hands, right? Furniture, little wooden trinkets, <laughs> you know. Uh, my mom makes a lot of things from uh, wire, metal, uh, lots of crafts. So really, I feel that that's probably the best way for me to look at this um, podcast. You know, I'll put it out. It'll be something that hopefully someone gets some value from. Um, but overall, it's going to be really just for me to practice creation, maybe is the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, um, I'm drinking... A bald white tea from White to Tea. It's called Tilt Shift. Um, I think they pressed it last year. I assume from material from last year. And, you know, I have to say, I just warmed up the Gaiwan and poured water over it just to get it a little bit unraveled because it's a very highly compressed ball of tea. And it smells like black tea to me. 
Um, and I think that's just how white tea goes the longer it sits and ages. And of course, depending on how it was processed, I think really when you think of a white tea, if it's a fresh white tea, it's it's got its own characteristics to maybe what I, at least in the past, um, saw as a white tea. But if you let a white tea really la you know go for a long time aging it um, in good condition I think it's inevitable kind of resting place on the spectrum of tea is a black tea because it's going to continue to oxidize um, really nice smell though really nice kind of a mellow black tea smell let's see if I get anything further from it as I, as I brew it, I'm going to pour some water over, and again, it's very compressed, so I'm going to let it sit here for a minute to try and get some flavor out of this first brew. Oh my gosh, I'm, I just bought a new uh, tea kettle, which there's many aspects I like about it, but um, the one that I don't like is it's, one, it's an electric tea kettle. You go to put it down on its base, and it's just finicky as hell to get it to sit on its base it's it doesn't just it's not a quick and easy just boop you gotta find the right the right spot for it um yeah so let me brew up this tea and give you some thoughts on it it's again from white to tea and um i did actually join their tea club and i should have my first batch of tea from the club uh, arriving tomorrow or at least this week after a bit of a long time making its way from China considering all of the issues with shipments nowadays um, but I'm pretty excited to see what they sent because they don't tell you you know you you join the club it's kind of a I kind of like this it's a bit of a surprise right they don't send out like an email saying hey we just shipped your shipment here's what's in it they basically just allow you to sign up to the tea club. I think it's twenty nine ninety nine a month, thirty bucks a month, um, and yeah, they basically just take that per month and ship out something to you, and whatever you get, you get, and uh, you really—it's pretty much a mystery until you open the box, which is something kind of cool. I like it. Um, I also, it's you know. Again, I think shipment is a major part, but then also all kinds of factors are involved with, you know, when you expect, um, well, let, let, let me just say, I also am expecting a package from Unomi, so I made another purchase from that site, Unomi.life, uh, of green teas from Japan, um, but they were set to be finished and ready to ship right from the farms right the you know obviously the harvest is at a specific time and then the processing takes some time um but they were all supposed to be shipped by the end of june and i still had not um received any notification that i i was you know getting tea on you know sent on the way so i reached out and it just so happened that one of the teas out of, I think, the eight that I had in my order was holding up the uh, shipment because it had not been finished. And um, 
that I mean, you know, I was expecting some good green tea from this year's harvest a month ago, really. I was hoping for at least. Um, so that's on its way as well. That may not arrive for another few weeks, though, uh, coming from Japan. But I'm excited for some good new tea here in July. Uh, I'm recording this a day after the birthday of America, the 4th of July. And, um, yeah. It's been, yeah, I think, uh, gosh, that last episode I recorded was early June. So, yeah, I'm really... I'm really behind on my New Year's resolution of producing 50 episodes this year. Um, obviously, again, to go back to my initial my initial thoughts of producing this was really, again, I was looking for new new outlets, new venues, new ways of spending my time, um, you know, with last year in the pandemic uh, and my um, having quit my previous position right before the pandemic. And then obviously the pandemic made finding a new job quite difficult. Um, I didn't know maybe this was something that I could spin off into something um, I could make a living off of or something, right? It was a, a bit of an experiment and it really still is, of course. Uh, but, um, I don't know. I, like I said earlier, it's really about me. <laughs> when is it not? <laughs> when is it not? Um, and just, uh, practicing making stuff. And, uh, it's been a, it's been an, a, an itch in my mind for many, many years now. And while, again, I will say that this is not something that is highly produced, it's not something that's going to rise to the ranks of highly talked about podcasts or any anything like that. Um, it's me trying to scratch that itch of feeling that I consume far too much media and not produce it. Um, and when I say media, I think I've said this before, anything and everything, all media, information really, right? Um, that's why I've enjoyed getting back into coding and actually making little projects, whether it's the smallest little, you know, website page. I, to me, it doesn't matter. It, it could be the smallest little thing that you don't show to anyone, um, but you took a few hours, you created something, and you put it out there. Uh, again, whether someone listens to it, sees it, reads it, experiences it, whatever it may be, um, there's something about that for me where... I just don't feel right. I don't feel good. I don't feel as happy when I'm just simply consuming, 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 and not producing. And uh, you could psychoanalyze that, I guess. But um, in a way, that seems such a basic, such a basic psychological state, right? You could apply that to anything and everything, right? 
a, a good social human in the species should <laughs> not enjoy only consuming and not producing pretty pretty simple pretty simple idea there uh we are a social species so i think that feeling is nothing special it's to be expected um and considering i spend a lot of my time consuming media i feel that oh shoot i'm only consuming i need to produce so then i make a podcast and talk about tea which I just poured out my first real brew after the wash. And uh, yeah, it's starting to come apart. Very bud heavy, as as the description on Y2T's website says, very, very bud, bud heavy. And um, for sure, I can see a lot of small, it's mainly small, small leaves and buds. Mmm, whoa, okay. I'm smelling the tea leaves now. And for sure, it's a whole... What, what is... Okay, I've heard this description before, and it doesn't sound... It sounds a little off-putting, but... I'm getting notes of, like, lotion. <laughs> I know, again. Yeah, I still get... I still get some black tea notes, for sure, but it definitely has evolved. It's no longer like, oh, this is definitely a black tea. It definitely, if I was, if you were just to give this to me blind and I was trying to figure out what it is, I think I'd still go black tea. Because um, again, color wise, it's, it is oxidized. You can tell. Um, but yeah, it's got this like almost a creamy note, you know, uh, lotion is, is probably... <laughs> The way to, I don't know what that is. Like, what is it in lotion that gives it that scent? It's not overpowering or anything. It's just, I'm trying to pull, I'm trying to pull notes from this and that's what I get. I like it. It's actually not off-putting, even though it sounds like it would be. Give a little swig of this tea here. Okay, so... still pretty light um i really haven't opened up the ball of compressed leaves too much so i'm gonna go ahead and pour some water over it again to let it sit for a while um definitely needs to brew for a while and get this thing open because it's definitely light in in flavor for now i know that will change as as it uh sits and and opens up, but um, the flavor though, I'm getting more wood. Um, yeah, black tea background with a um, kind of a creamy woodsy note in the front, maybe. I'll have to give it a few more tastes, but. That's actually good. It's, it's it's very decent. I've really not had a bad tea from white to tea. So, I, I and I really do love the 
persona that they sort of give off on their website. I've never really talked to, I think, oh yeah, I asked about the shipment from my first month's um, club, you know, shipment and got a response really quickly from them. So very friendly too, you know, they gave me the tracking number of the package and helped me to understand it was going to be coming in the next week. And so very friendly staff. And I, again, I think what really draws me is the, again, caricature or the persona of who they are, the way they showcase themselves on their website. Uh, I don't know if I said it specifically, but their artwork is very glitch art heavy inspired from how I'm viewing it. It's very glitch art inspired. It's the best way I can say it. Some of it literally is like glitch art and then others it's it's just sort of hard for you to kind of parse what you're looking at is maybe the best way to say it. And I love it. I love it. Um, this tilt tilt shift um, ball was was wrapped. You know, they wrap all of their tees in most of them. I mean, I, I'd say actually probably almost every single one of them is uh, wrapped in like a very specific piece of artwork that who knows who's producing it. Probably somebody internally. Um, I don't think I see it anywhere on the wrapper here. Like artist uh, signature or anything. But this this one is, um, again, hard to... It's almost like a Rorschach uh, ink blot. Um, it kind of it looks like streaming bands of energy from the sun or something like that um and then yeah kind of a warshack ink blot test and then in the bottom corner they do have their white 2t logo but it's glitched so so it's like they took a stamp and stamped multiple times from top to bottom over the the logo so you see like three or four kind of cut off uh, logos all stacked onto one another. So definitely loving their art. I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I love, I love their, their, uh, I don't know, their aesthetics. And again, I don't think I've had a bad tea from them. I've had teas that I like a lot more than others. Um, and I will say like, I, I got like a stack of these black tea discs like tiny, tiny little tochas. Um, and it's a good tea. Let me, let me be honest. It is a, it is a good tea. I enjoy drinking it, but it, what, you know, it's black tea and it's just not the flavor profile that I really like in a black tea. So I, I also had bought some daily, they call it daily Jinjun May. I think I was actually drinking it last time and it hits the spot like that tea is so good and it's a it's a daily drinker it's not nothing that they're making you pay extravagant amounts for um so you could purchase a good quantity of that tea and drink it all 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 you want every day um so for sure a solid shop glad i finally uh found them and and uh purchased some tea from them let me uh pour off this second cup and see if we've got a different note from this second brew and the ball has definitely opened up a little bit more 
Still compressed though, man. I mean, it's gonna take probably three or four more brews before it really starts to open up. Um, man. Yeah. Um, really enjoying the scent coming off of this. The leaf. Really good. It's it's again. It's got like a creamy note coming off of it. Still has a bit of that lotion scent. And um, again, it, it has these black note, black tea notes more so than anything else. But and the and the liqueur is sort of a, a very very light brown, clear. It's hot. It's too hot. Um, let me jump into a couple of subjects because I've already spent 20 minutes from my point of view talking about nothing, really. <laughs> like this podcast is anything else, huh? Um, but I had three items that I wanted to speak about and think about. So let's just get into it um, while this third brew brews away the first one it's a question has science caused more harm than good especially in the long run has it allowed humanity to progress too quickly so it's two questions actually so this one is a bit of a well what isn't a can of worms really any any anymore but I am a huge science advocate. I think that's probably clear if you've ever heard any of the other podcasts. I am your classic, like, objectivist, just uh, science is how I perceive the world. Um, of course, I have viewpoints and beliefs that are not science-based, but I'm critical of those. And if you were to call me out on them, you know, I would fully agree with you that they're subjective they you know should be kept in check <laughs> um and be you know i should be critical of them uh, i mentioned and wrote an article on ex um epistemology uh, epistemic responsibility and i really think that is a is is a great way of looking at beliefs and trying to analyze them to decide whether you should continue to hold them or not and whether they're benign or not and really in a, in a sense no belief is benign um so this is a tough one for me the science causing more harm than good the thing about that is while science has allowed humanity to be more productive in many different definitions of that word, productive, right? Um, and been, and it has helped us rid ourselves of many diseases and ailments and pains. You have to also acknowledge that in the same fail swoop you know of the sword of science i'll say um it 
along with all of that, it has allowed more and more humans to exist in the world, right? And so while there are billions of humans living great lives with sort of their needs met up to a point, obviously, always up to a point, you know, your, your needs are never fully met, um, but leading very comfortable lives, again, relative term, but comfortable lives, many, many billions of humans are still living in poverty, not having the needs that they perceive as needing to be met, met, right? And many others that are comfortably living also would agree that their needs are not being met. <coughs> Excuse me. I need a drink of tea. Um, it's just a question that I don't really have a strict answer to. It's something that I think we should think about. And as, as full force, as absolutely behind 100% science I am, it's almost that fact that makes you need to be critical of science and make sure, you know, it's in line with what your goals are. Because again, science is a tool. It's a tool that humanity has created over time and it itself has gone through innovation, right? And it will continue to go through innovation. The current way that humanity does science right now is in no way, shape, or form how it will look, I don't know, 200 years from now, 500 years from now, if we make it. <laughs> because the second question there, has it allowed humanity to progress too quickly, is I think key to all of this. That is at the forefront of many people's minds, whether they know it or not, because it affects how our current society is, how it has been progressing over the past number of hundred years, um, you know, give or take what, it, what you know, you, you, you define the era, whether it's over the last hundred years, the last couple hundred years, the last thousand years, the last 10,000 years, whatever you want to decide that uh, time frame to be. Um, it's again, think about science. It's a tool and we have been able to utilize that tool in in many many ways it's a it's a very uh, agile tool it's a very useful tool for allowing us to accomplish many many different things uncover many many different uh, aspects to our world and it seems you know most people would agree that our understanding of the world and our manipulation of the world and our extraction of resources from the world has been a logarith logarithmic curve upward. So we started slowly, but over each successive period of time, we have progressed further and further. And that's where it gets a little interesting with 
what does, you know, we, we can look back over the last hundred years. So it's 2021 now. We could go from 1921 to 2021 and say all of these things were invented, found out, created, developed, whatever it is over the past hundred years. And if we continue this logarithmic scale, the next hundred years should contain so much more than the last 100 years. And frankly, when you think about what has occurred to humanity over the past 100 years is insane. Just how different someone live, living in 1921 um, compared to today. And of course, again, from 1921 to 1821 <laughs> was a whole nother difference. Like the difference actually between someone living in 1921 to today is less, you know, going with this logarithmic scale, it's less than the difference between someone living in 1821 and 1921. Um, where does it stop? Does, does the scale have a top bound? And when will that be, you know, if it does, when will that be achieved? To me, at least, this question of has it allowed humanity to progress too quickly is tied up with where where's humanity going to, going to in the future? When will we get there? And will we continue as a species in our current path? Like, it is very plausible that at some point in the future, very similar to what a lot of people have woken up to with this pandemic, is that we're not some, you know, some um, untouchable species by nature. I mean, we, we are very much in the bosom of nature. You know, Mother Nature, she'll make sure you understand that you are just one little piece to the puzzle. Even if you think you're the most important piece, you're one piece. And I think that should be a wake-up call for us as a species. I think it has been to a degree, but frankly, I have to side with a lot of the individuals that think everything's going to sort of just go back to what it was. People are going to go, oh, okay, finally, we're done with that. Let's move on. And if that's the case, and, you know, over the next few years, we'll see, you know, are we going to actually be prepared for the next one that's going to potentially be much worse than what this pandemic was? That should continue to provide evidence for us as a species to understand where we're going in the future um and where well whether we'll make it to that place um i think probably the most likely scenario is that we're going to have some major setbacks along the way we'll keep getting knocked down right this this trajectory up 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 with technology and and progression will 
hit something. It'll hit a plateau. I mean, you could consider something that happened over 2020, 2021, this pandemic, the, the COVID crisis as one of those. But frankly, it was a it was just a nudge. It was it was barely a push from this progress. Um, it did. It did stall the progress, right? It, it really did. It took away resources from what was being currently worked on, focused on, um, developed, and it redirected those resources um, heavily. And we're still, still, I mean, I just mentioned the whole ordering tea and getting it much later than anticipated because of the logistics um, the entire logistics uh, industry being thrown for a just thrown thrown into a, a state that they weren't anticipating, right? So little things like that can absolutely sort of put progression on pause, cause little little shakes in the foundation. But I don't think we've really seen. I mean we've really seen anything that has just decimated that that constant tick 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 up of that scale and the the speed at which it it occurs now you could say things like the pandemic or we'll say world war 2 things really knocked us for a loop and resources were put to new use but frankly you could also make a counter argument that those things create more progression, more innovation, right? Certain, this pandemic actually in retrospect from say 20 years from now could look be looked upon as some type of revolution. It really could. In 20 years time, historians could go that period of 2020 to 2021 and who knows it may you know the, the the effects could be into 2022 or whatever caused this this and this it shook up this industry it caused this number of people to create these things this was invented it could literally be looked upon as okay lots of things went wrong you know all the misinformation and disinformation and mistrust and all of that was there but in the end, it actually helped humanity. So think about that. Um, this is just something that, frankly, I consider quite often and comes up in my mind. And again, this podcast is for me to just uh, drink some tea and share my thoughts. Um. And it kind of goes into one of my favorite topics, which is the Fermi paradox, right? If life evolves and we should expect intelligent life at other points in time and space, why haven't we interacted with them? And, you know, this whole explosive progression in technology and all of the things that humans focus on. Uh, could be evidence for why we don't see any other civilizations out there because they don't make it and we aren't going to make it. But um, I just find it an interesting uh, thought experiment and something to ponder. 
let's move on. Something that came up today actually brought this point to mind, and that is the cyclical nature of events, of movements, you know, cultural movements, of culture, of um, of fads, right, of likes and dislikes. I was listening to, and I highly recommend the podcast, Strange Arrivals. It uh, started last year, and it was it's kind of evolved a little bit in in what they focus on and how they do their podcast but basically it started with analyzing over many episodes this um historic story of this couple that seemingly was abducted by aliens you know classic uh kind of ufo alien story right but it's 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 known it's a very very well-known story in the in that circle of people that really focus on all of this uh information out there right about potential interactions with um aliens and it was a really interesting really fun to listen to and it finished it i thought it was just a you know like I, i don't know it was like seven episodes eight episodes it was just a one off podcast. Well, I guess they got enough viewership, viewership, listenership, um, that they decided to start another season this year. And that's why I think it kind of evolved. Again, I think originally it was like, hey, let's do this about this story and then be done with it. But hey, if you can make some, some cashola on something, you know, that's what we do. Um, so this season season two went over some other stories um their primary story was apparently what's called the uk roswell incident um i think it occurred in like the 60s and what came up in one of these later episodes that i've i've listened to is that right now now they haven't mentioned this in the in the series i think but as as you may very well be aware the pentagon has acknowledged that different um instrument footage so instruments that are on some of their aircraft has captured interesting uh data you know visual data and other other types of data um over the last decade or two, maybe, from a number of their fighter pilots going out over, I think, both the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean. And they've acknowledged this. There's been, like, an investigation. Like, Congress has finally, like, said, hey, we want a report on what this is. You know, how, you know, give us a full report on this. And it's been sort of a revelation. Like, people are going, oh, wow, you know, they're finally taking this seriously. And, um, they're actually admitting that they don't know what these things are and that, uh, more investigation needs to occur. And I'm listening to this podcast and almost part and parcel, this occurred like 40, 50 years ago, um, with the stories that they're going over and the government acknowledging that so many reports come in and that they need to uh, investigate. And so I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it service here, but 
definitely give it a listen because you'll probably something will click probably in your mind you go wow you know we're freaking out about this footage you know that came out of the air force and the and we're oh maybe we'll finally find something this same thing happened like 40 50 years ago and it just kind of slowly you know uh eroded to, to to what we sort of perceive as that culture now right it, it was a part in creating this culture specifically in the states i think but worldwide even about oh you know lots of reports are out there a lot of people apparently have seen things that they can't explain and maybe this is evidence for extraterrestrials um i just found that really funny because you do hear this and i have to agree like things seem to be cyclical um not to get all buddha buddhist on you but so many things that you think are novel seem to have occurred multiple times just in eras that you're not that you didn't live in right eras of time that you were not subjectively experiencing and a lot of information gets lost over time lost whether it's just that it wasn't recorded or lost in the deluge nowadays of all the data that is out there so the 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 history that you think occurred right oh you know what happened in 1980 the the very little that we know of what happened in 1980 is a hologram of what happened in 1980. Hopefully that makes sense. Like, we will never know exactly what happened in the year 1980, right? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not making much sense here. But we have, like, lots of records of incidences that happened in 1980. We have, you know, people talking, oh, I did this in 1980, whatever you could combine everything and anything and everything we know or, or sorry, you could, you could collect like every bit of information from 1980 that exists today, whether that's written records, audio, video, uh, eyewitness accounts, um, you know, stories of people that lived in 1980 and what they did each day, you know, you could combine all of that. And the best you could come up with is a rough estimation of what 1980 was. You'll, you never can go back and actually see what occurred in 1980. And I don't know why I chose the year 1980, but this is my point. Um, and that feeds into this very vague, very clouded perception of the here and now and how novel it is and how special it is and i again i'm not saying that about everything but it's something to remind yourself of because that's what occurred to me when i was listening to this strange arrivals podcast i thought holy crap the way they're describing this i'm like i'm seeing so many comparisons to what's going on now and we think, oh, we're, 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 this is revolutionary. We're finally, you know, the, the public is being um, given information from the government about their, them being serious about this and that and taking this seriously. And 
it's it's happened before it'll happen again that's really all i have to say about that last point and actually let me um i think i'm on my fourth brew of this tea it's really starting to fill this guy one up i may have to transfer it to my um kyusu my japanese teapot because it's uh really kind of filling up the old guy one i think these balls are around seven grams and uh that is quite a bit of tea to put into a i think this is a 100 mil guy one i got from mayleaf um yeah let me take a quick sip of this man i can't talk for very long without my freaking throat getting sore I have very delicate, uh, I have a very delicate voice box. My vocal cords are very delicate. <laughs> oh, this last point, I don't know. I'll bring, I'll, I'll briefly bring it up because it just came to mind. And it's something, of course, I'm always thinking about. The question of, what is the proper way to perceive the world? <laughs> so that, you'd almost have to dissect that entire sentence before you could even start to talk about the answer. Proper way, perceive, world. You know, what is the proper way to perceive the world? Talk about a can of worms there, right? Um... My two cents on it, though, proper way for me is objectivity over subjectivity. So, again, going back to science, the whole idea behind science is trying to understand and describe the world in an objective sense, whether it's a human viewing it, this human, that human, the other human over there whether it's, uh, you know, some extraterrestrial viewing it, whether it's a fish viewing it, whether it nothing is viewing it, no life whatsoever existing in the world, and yet the world is this way. It's, it could be perceived, right? Now we get into the perception of the world. Well, to perceive the world, assumingly you need a perceiver, right? And we pretty much assume, at least for me, I assume that is a living being, a living system. However, theologists would tell you that God is the ultimate perceiver. And the world exists because he perceives it, I guess. Or at least some of them would say that. Um, anyway. What is the proper way to perceive the world? I don't have an answer for that. I have my thoughts about that, as I said. I think objectively is the proper way to perceive the world. It's not the only way. Subjectivity comes into play. Um, but I'm just going to leave that one. Leave that one in your noggin. Maybe you're drinking some tea. You can take that question off in your own direction by yourself with others 
ask it to somebody, maybe. See what they say. Um, boy, actually, whoa. Yeah, this tea is, um, hmm, whoa. It's definitely got a lot more flavor. It's it's opened up quite a bit, and I'm, I'm thinking this last brew has been, oh yeah, I think I've gotten to like the center of the ball. Um, weird. The, you know, it's funny, I'm like picking through these leaves and um, again, it's very bud heavy. And if you're familiar with tea buds, they can have like a hairy appearance, the, the like the little filaments. And if you're not careful, you could see that and go, oh, whoa, mold. But it's, it's not mold in the center of the ball. It's just very, very uh, furry leaves. <laughs> but I was like, oh, whoa. Um, yeah, this is actually, whoa. I'm making some potent brews at this last end here. Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest and say that the flavor is is decent. It's flat. It's not like there's not a lot of nuances going on. Um, I'll have to put this over ice, see what it tastes like over ice, and brew it. A, I, I mean, I can at least get two, three more brews out of this easily. And give it a few more tastes. Um, it's definitely got some bitterness coming out. Maybe I'm overbrewing it. I don't know. Um, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's definitely not one of my favorites from White Stew Tea, though. Oh, holy shit. I was looking at the wrapper uh, for this at a distance, and it kind of popped. I, I can see a guy's eyes. I didn't even... Holy crap, I didn't even know that. That's what I'm talking about, the Rorschach test. It's like a... Yeah. I thought it was like two opposing like hyenas or something, but it's this guy's eyes. Holy crap. Love their art. If nothing else. All right, guys. This has been the latest episode of Brain Steep. Thanks for listening. Have a cup of tea. Keep steeping.